Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and I am your hostess for today's show. And I have with me and a guest who I have not met in person, but we've been at the same place at the same time at ADA SmileCon, and you guys know how busy those meetings are. Dr. Suzanne Ebert. Suzanne, thank you so much for being with us today. Kelly, thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. I know it's um, it's one of those things, and I talk about this all the time, like the synchronicities in life, things that just drop right in front of us, and we just realize that we truly attract who we are in life. Isn't that right? And and sometimes we don't even know what's ahead of us. Suzanne and I were just talking about that before we got on the call. So Suzanne, what I always like to start with is just to hear your story and why dentistry for you? Like, What made you want to be a dentist? Oh my goodness. We're going to go back that far. I think I can handle I'll try. I'll try. (laughs) You know, I love working with my hands. It's always been something that I've enjoyed. When I was very young, I wanted to be a surgeon. That was my dream. And then I had to turn down an invitation to medical school because I was pregnant and had a problem pregnancy and was unable to take that position. And in those days, when you refuse once, they don't usually invite you again very quickly. So uh, anyway, I had to take a real step back and figure out, okay, what do I really want? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I knew that being a mom was one of the most important things to me. And my stepfather was an oral surgeon. And he just said, give dental school a try. I think you would love it. And I said, well, it involves picking up, moving across the country and about a four-month period and get everything done and move us, two small children. They were one and two when I started dental school. I tried it out and just fell in love with dentistry overall. And I really have never looked back. This has been a fabulous profession for me, and it's allowed me to achieve so many things that I never even dreamed of. And, you know, I don't know, how, how deep are we going? Are we going to go through the whole cycle? Or <laughs> So, so you, you just decided to go to dental school and then, then what? So you're a baby dentist. And then what did you do after that? Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Did a GPR because I moved to Florida kind of on a whim, so to speak. My husband didn't want to go north and I was sick of the dreary. So we moved to Florida 
and did a GPR in the Jacksonville area. Ended up opening my own practice a year later. So I associated for a year while I started my own practice. Did that for 11 years and they were wonderful years. As a private practitioner, I loved being my own boss. I really enjoyed the control that I had over my own schedule. I was able to really be hands-on with my children and my family, and that was so important. Unfortunately, as it often does, life does happen. And I was diagnosed with an arthritic condition that affected the small joints in my hands. Dentistry is something where you need to be able to use your hands. So here was another moment for me where it was, you know, take a step back. What are you going to do now? I had been volunteering for a number of years and at a local homeless shelter, and they were in need of a dental director. So I said, well, let's go do it. So I did that. We started an extramural rotation an extramural rotation for uh, senior dental students during that time. And during that six and a half years that I did that, I was also very active in the Florida Dental Association. About... Uh, about six years later, six and a half years later, I, had, uh, I found out that the American Dental Association was starting a program that really got me excited because I'd been listening to my students come in. My students would tell me things like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate. I don't understand what my options are. I, I can only do one thing and I know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it. How far dead are you? You really are thinking you're going to hate it? Why would you do that to yourself? Well, I don't know what else to do. And on the Flip side, I'm listening to my owner doctors, my, my counterparts at the Florida Dental Association. A lot of them were saying things like, I don't know how to find the right person to take over my practice. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do as I'm nearing this scary thing called retirement and change. And I had been, you know, so I've got these two different things that are going on with the younger docs and the older docs. And this particular program, ADA Practice Transitions, was really visualized as the ADA's solution to this particular problem to help these younger doctors find just the right practice for them to join and to help our owner docs find somebody that they can mentor and they can have somebody carry on their legacy of care. So I got an apartment in Chicago. I still have my house in Florida. Right now I'm in Chicago and it's starting to snow. But you know, it, it's become a very interesting time for me because I have grown in ways that I really never anticipated. So it's been just a real fun, wild ride. But, you know, the core of it is, is I love this profession. And I think it's exciting when you follow and open doors that you never really dreamed could open for you. Yeah, it's you don't even know the doors are there. <laughs> no, exactly. Right. Exactly. And I, think, and I think that it's when we think that we know what is there and what our our opportunities are that we do truly limit ourselves. The best laid plans. The best laid plans. And so you said that you you started out as an associate dentist and then you went on as a practice owner about you said you did that for about a year, right? Yes, I had the most wonderful uh, doctor to work for. The practice was about 40 miles away from my home. And the practice that I was opening was three miles from my home. So there really wasn't an issue with patients or non-competes and things like that. And 
I was very upfront with him. He was very upfront with me. He was so open. He provided all of the tools that I could have asked for in that first year. And he was just incredibly helpful. And what I loved about him is, you know, because there's always that fear, I think, that owner doctors have bringing somebody in is, are they going to take all my patients and run? And his attitude was what mine actually was as well. If the patients want to leave, do I really, uh, you know, that that's on me. If my patients are leaving, that that's on me. That's not on somebody else. So it was just a wonderful, wonderful relationship. And I did that while I was opening my practice. And then, so you had, you had a great experience to reflect on, to say, this is how, because I think we sort of form what our opinions are of things and say, I wish someone else could have the same experience, you know, and, and, and fast forward to today and what you do, it's almost like you're doing that and you're living it out with a different template and different design of it all. But you wanted to recreate that feeling of being supported. Absolutely. I want our younger doctors to understand that they have a great network out there. I want them to be as excited about this profession as I have been throughout my career. And I want our our older doctors, our owner doctors, um, those looking for associates to understand that they are supported as well. And, you know, the American Dental Association does have their back you know, in so many ways, this program was developed for no reason other than to help dentists at these key transition points. So, you know, how many associations are going to try to provide such a tangible benefit? Yeah, there's there's many benefits to being a member of your professional association. I'm the American Dental Hygiene Association. You're our, you're our, um, our counterpart, our, our leading organization, ADA. And and thinking about tangible benefits. So do people automatically get, get um, I say, access to this benefit once they're a member of the ADA? We're open to both members and non-members. There is a pricing differential for non-members, of course. Gotcha. So we're really helping the profession as a whole. And the really cool thing is, is we're not just helping dentists. One of the goals of the program was to help underserved areas because that is one that's one that uh, people haven't quite cracked yet. We have so right. many practices that are in more rural locations, and as you know, if somebody's got to drive or get you know forty miles to go see a dentist, what's going to happen if that dentist that dentist goes away? Right. So one of our missions and one of my personal missions, <laughs> you know, is to find buyers and associates for those practices, because so many of them are so valuable, not just monetarily, but they are monetarily incredibly valuable. Um, but the what they do for the community, they do for the population. Um, it's just so important. So we want to really help serve, not just dentists, really, but the whole you know, anybody who's accessing dental care. Uh, what an amazing, what an amazing opportunity to be able to take advantage of. And to also through your experience, I mean, working with the FQHC, because you got to see this from the inside out. Now you get to see it from the outside in. I think that has been one of the things about my career that's been very interesting. Yeah. Going from, you know, basically a solo practitioner who was 
incredibly focused in on only my practice. I was always a member of my association, but I never really got involved. I honestly, I just didn't have time. My kids were one and two when I started dental school. There was a lot of, you know, hands-on stuff. And then there are softball games and things like that as they're growing up. Yeah. And then transitioning over to the FQHC when I got very involved um, as a legislative aide, you know, not, not an aide, um, an advocate, you know, for the Florida Dental Association to the legislator. Also, you know, advocating for uh, public health funding in our area. Um, being a part of coalitions to bring together medical and dental in our community for special needs, uh, patients, uh, the elderly, elder care, all of that. And now being on staff with the American Dental Association. I mean, it's just, it's strange because I've been able to see these career journeys from all these different angles now. So sometimes I look back at my time as a solo practitioner, I think, gosh, I wish I would have known. Yeah. What the Dental Association was doing for me. And then I look at my time at the FQHC and I think, wow, you know, what can we do now as staff people at the ADA to help serve this population that desperately needs care? And, you know, it's just, it's cool to be able to look at things from multiple angles. I think that's just so important to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and to have the experience to back it up is just unbelievable. Yeah, and I love that you said that because one of the one of the um, kind of like the key key attributes of a great leader is being open minded and being able to understand different viewpoints and being open to hearing them. It's not that you have to agree with them; it's just that they they you validated someone else, you have let them say what they need to say, and then you're also understanding a different perspective to be able to. Um, it, it may change your perspective on what it is. And so as an advocate doing the advocacy days and the things I know that the ADA does like ADHA does, we, we get that different perspective, but it's, I think when we close down that we close down the opportunity to truly learn and to lead where we are in that situation. That is so true. And, you know, I wish my husband were listening right now. Cause you know, isn't that also the mark of a great relationship? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Being open. It's, it's the, and it's, it's, everything is about relationship. Every single thing we do is about relationship. If you think about why we got into this profession at the heart of it is about the servant leadership. It's about serving and you truly can't change. You can't change the situation or be a part of the change unless we are open, unless we have and are creating those relationships with the empathy and able to, and we seek, un, seek understanding from it. You know, I, I think it's so vital that you said that because think about us as dental professionals, when you walk into an operatory, certainly when you walked into an operatory, you know, that person needs something from you in that moment. And you have to be able to figure out what it is in such a short period of time. Because some people, you know, they just want to be quiet, do whatever you're going to do, get it over with, I'm out of here. And then some people need you to have a conversation. Some people need you to have that little bit of a touchy-feely, so to speak. Yeah. Some people need to tell you about their grandchild. And, you know, it's figuring out in the moment what does that person need from me in order for me to make them feel comfortable so that we can ha- both have a great experience? 
And you understand this because you did this as well. You know, you walk into one operatory and that person needs something. Yeah. You can walk into, you know, you've got to walk into the next operatory and that person might need the opposite. Right. So I think as dental professionals, we develop that skill of just being able to, I I say, read a room, but it's literally reading a room and figuring out what do I need? to give this person to make this a great experience for both of us. What would you call that, Suzanne? I, you know, I, people call it different things. And I talk a lot about this because I'm a certified uh, emotional intelligence instructor and I'm certified to speak and all of that. It boils down to reading the room, you know, that, that temperature of the room. So it's your self and social awareness and how you also regulate those things. So if you had to say, if you had to give advice to someone, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Um, If you had to give advice to someone to say, you know, this is how you read a room, like what are some things that you look for when you're reading the room? Oh my goodness. You are putting me on the spot, aren't you? Um, Paying less attention to what somebody says, paying a little bit more attention to their body cues. That would be my primary thing. I think when you, when you walk in, you can tell is somebody stiff or are they open? Is somebody, you know, are they nervous? Can you tell that, you know, they're maybe a little bit flushed? What are you getting from them that's more than what they say? Right. I call it owning the operatory. That's, that's what I call it. And that's how I refer to it. Because that's when you walk in that room, you have to own it. You have to understand that it's on you. It's on you to figure this out. You better figure it out fast or you're not going to have a very good hour or so. Yeah. And many people don't have that skill. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a high level skill to hone in and to, you have to be very intentional about how to develop that. And I don't know how we get that skill. We, it's not something that you learn in dental school or that you learn in hygiene school or dental assisting school or whatever. So I, you know, I always wonder what, what would it look like if we try to develop to say, okay, here's top three things that you need to do when you're doing it, read the room, look at their body language, look at what they're not saying, you know, sense what they're not saying too, as well as what they're saying. There's also an awareness. Like you said, if you don't have this skill, be aware that you don't have the skill. Mm-hmm. And allow somebody else on your team to take that part over. There are some people who will never get it. They're just not going to. Right. But what they can do, and I just thought about this, is you know, stand outside the operatory for a second. Have your assistant, and if you, know, if you have that opportunity, have the assistant um, ask some questions and kind of figure it out that way when you're standing in the background. Then you can maybe come in and at least you'll have some frame of reference. If I guess that might be a way to, to start to develop that skill. Yeah. You're, you're sitting back and you're, it's a part of, there's so many things that happen. This is why I call this show the dental handoff, because it's so much about those nonverbals and the verbals and the writing on the trays and the notes and the, the looks that we give each other or the brochure <laughs> setting out, that's the nonverbal that you're handing something off to someone. And it is so vital to the relationship we build among our teams and with our patients and how we connect with the community. 
to do what we think we're even there to do. Because if we miss the mark on communicating, nobody's served. You are so right. You are just speaking my language here. I mean, <laughs> I know I feel like we're soul sisters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is you know, you bring up that topic, and I love the way you're talking about it because just over the last year here at ADA Practice Transitions, I've realized that we have a, a big gap between the time that you sign a contract and say, yes, I'm going to come work for you, or I am going to purchase your practice to actually being in the practice on that first day. I don't know about you, but I, I remember my very first patient that I saw out of school. Oh. I remember being terrified. I wasn't all I, but the only prep that I had had, and this is, I think, pretty typical nowadays is, okay, you know, here, we're going to go through the charts in the morning. Here you go. You're going to go in and you're going to do this procedure. I'm thinking, okay, Ah! (laughs) you know, but what if we were better prepared? So what we've done is I've I've created this, what I call an integration plan. Mm -hmm. And it's really customized for each practice situation. So if you've got somebody coming in as an associate, how do you get that doctor from, you know, out of school or maybe coming into the practice for the first time, even if they have some experience, to being able to be comfortable that first day, knowing that all I have to do is focus in on treating patients. I don't have to worry about what the assistant's doing because I already know what the assistant does in this office. I don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about what the front desk is saying to the patients as they're leaving because I already know I was a part of developing the script. I don't need to worry about getting paid because we've already addressed all of those issues. I know what I'm going to get paid. Um, am I credentialed with this insurance company? How have I been introduced to the specialists in the community? How have I been introduced to if this particular office is very active, like in schools or something like that? How am I going to get involved in that? Mm-hmm. Address all of that before the first day. Yes. And oh, by the way, because you've addressed all those problems or all those issues up front, you don't have to worry about staff problems because you've already had one-on-ones with every staff member. Because guess what? If the staff's not happy, it isn't going to work. Nope. Nope. The staff <laughs> rules the office. And I know that. And any dentist who's worth their salt knows that. Or they mm-hmm. should. No, you can't bring somebody in who doesn't mesh with the staff. And you can't just bring somebody in and say, oh, staff, here you go. Make this right. work. There's got to be that whole, you know, work together. Have the, at the hard conversations before the first day so that the first day can be great. And then that's going to lead to a great first week, first month, first year. And then guess what? It just works. Yeah. You, so, that's, that's all. Those are huge nuggets of advice. So meet with, meet with people before the first day to establish. So this is your um, integration plan that's specific to each office. That is a huge part of it is, you know, get to know the staff, get to know their functions within the office, ask them what they would like to see from you. Mm-hmm. you know, listen, 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 listen. There you go. Yeah. I have, that's it. I feel like drop the mic. Listen, <laughs> right. You know, how important you, you're just going to get so much more if you keep your mouth shut and just listen, ask a couple of questions and let them tell you 
what they do in the office, where they feel valued. They're probably also going to tell you some areas where they think there should be some improvement. Fabulous. Good. Just listen. And then also too, where they would like to grow, I think is another piece of it. And things that they don't like doing, things that they do like doing. And you learn a lot about putting people in their strengths from from just asking that question. There are things you do love to do, things that you don't like to do. And then you'll pick up on it from the next conversation of it's like, okay, they could swap that and totally feel empowered in this practice and their growth plans and where and knowing that the, that doctor that new doctor and and the transitioning doctor who's co- going out, I think how they can support their journey in that. Absolutely. And that is one thing that I think many of our doctors tend to gloss over maybe a little bit. They don't, we think about our personal, our own development often. And I hate to say that I don't know how often some of the dentists think about what about my staff? You know, is that the reason that we're having some staffing shortages right now? Because dentists have not traditionally paid enough attention to the development of their staff. So, and I have to say some of the strongest practices are the ones that do. I mean, those are the ones that are taking their staff people to to SmileCon. They're taking their team with them. They're doing CE together. When they go do, you know, when they're learning a new procedure, they've actually talked about it maybe beforehand with the staff to find out, is this something that our patients really want? Is this something that you have an interest in? You know, a great TMJ practice or TMD practice is probably loaded with people who are interested in TMD, mostly because they probably have it themselves. (laughs) True. Absolutely. Yes. And why do you think that offices don't offer CE or team training as much as they could, because you just talked about the benefits of offering this and about how it creates a more cohesive team and understanding and that uh, the sustainability of the practice and less attrition, you know, people don't leave where they feel like they're invested. And so why do you think practices don't do that? I just have a theory that the dentist gets very caught up in what they're doing and they really don't really have any training that focuses in on, you know, how do I treat my staff? How do I, how do I build a culture? And that is changing. I think over the last couple of years, I think it's changed and I can see it in my doctors that I work with. So, but I think we just don't have any experience coming out of school or most dentists don't have any business experience coming out of school. Many have never held a job. They've been career students and they're 28 years old. So, you know, trying to develop that on the fly or understand that that's important. I don't think it's something that they're intentionally trying to avoid. I think it's more just a matter of, I don't know that I'm supposed to do this. And I think as their career goes on, they, they learn that. But certainly fresh out of school, you're too focused in on trying to figure out the, the clinical side. Right. And you don't really know what you don't know as far as building a culture. You took the words right out of my mouth that you don't know what you don't know. And so, I mean, and, and then also, too, I've heard and it, it is an investment. It is an investment for doctor and practice to make in their team in terms of dollars, 
but what it costs them long-term and even short-term sometimes it costs them way more than that. Cause it takes about, you know, I think even if it's a, an assistant, if you have that loss in, in that individual in the practice, I mean, it, it costs that practice, you know, 40, $50,000 at least. Easily. So what's the, what's the cost of not doing the team development and that team training and, and doctor training to understand why they need that too, that, that business development, as you called it. Yeah. And so much of it is not that difficult and it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, think about it. You understand this. I mean, just having team training sessions, you can download eBooks, you can do, uh, you know, just even team building exercises. There are so many little things that you can do to build that culture. And then that I think creates an atmosphere where then those team members can come to you and say, this is great. I'd love to learn more about this. And then you guys can come together and figure out how can we make this a better place? Absolutely. And when you know their areas of strength and what they do and don't and how they want to grow, that's so vital that you know that information because then you can support it and growing and say, listen, I know that you said this is something that you wanted from this practice. Here's an activity. Here's something that we can do together that doesn't even take a lot of money or sometimes even a lot of time. That's opportunity for everyone to be cohesive and speak the same language. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Speaking the same language is is a good one. That's yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. <laughs> well, Susan, it has been such a delight to have you today and to learn about your career path and all the wonderful things and meaningful work that you have done and continue to do through your service. And I'm, I'm excited to see even where your career takes you now. So thank you for being on with us today. Well, thanks so much, Kelly. This has been just loads of fun. And I'm telling you, I'm going to look you up. At SmileCon this year, if you're there. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna hang out together at SmileCon. That so, sounds like um, a lot of fun. <laughs> I know, same. So, if anybody wants more information about how to reach out to Suzanne, it's in the show notes about how to reach her with the ADA practice transitions and how she can support you. And for all of my viewers and followers, I love that you're here. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing. And if I can ask a favor of you, if you wouldn't mind going onto Apple and rate us five stars, please. Five stars is what we need. And subscribe to our YouTube channel and just listen in and support our communities. We would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for all that you do every day to care for our communities and our public. You make such a great difference. And for now, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Suzanne. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.